welcome to the Turkey Hunter Podcast with me, your host, Andy Galliano. In this podcast, I share with turkey hunters just like you how to have more turkeys on your hunting property and how to have more successful turkey hunts. I teach you how to do this with tips and interviews with turkey hunting pros, wildlife management tips, and entertaining turkey hunting stories. Tune in weekly as I share proven and simple strategies to help you have more success this turkey season. Make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe to receive free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews. Also, please visit and like my Facebook fan page. Go to Facebook and search I Am Turkey Hunting. And also feel free to post your turkey hunting photos from this past season and let us know where and when you killed your bird. For all of you Twitter users out there, please follow me on Twitter where my handle is at turkeyhitman and I will be sure to follow you back. And now, for this week's show. Hello and welcome back to this week's episode of the Turkey Hunter Podcast. You are listening to episode 113, Where Are They Now? with Jenna Barron. And I am your host and the guy who is now officially getting into the Christmas spirit. The stockings are hung and filled. The gifts are being wrapped by the bride and being put under the tree. All the gifts except for hers, of course. I have to wrap those myself. Just to give some small element of surprise, I guess. And actually, I'm in the Christmas spirit a little bit earlier than normal. Usually, I don't start to get excited about Christmas until Christmas Eve day. But I've actually had a little bit of downtime this week from work. And I've been able to relax a little bit and get out and enjoy some shopping without traffic because I do my shopping either very early in the morning or very late at night. And so I'm getting there. One thing that I never have to get in the mood for is turkey season. And we are 83 days, 12 hours, 33 minutes, and 6 seconds away from opening day of spring turkey season in Alabama. And today I am coming to you from my hunting camp. And I've just mentioned to you that I've taken a little bit of time off of work and gotten some shopping done. So everything was done. I grabbed my computer, threw my hunting stuff in the truck, which really it was already packed. I kind of stay packed and ready to go at a moment's notice and headed south. So I'm at the hunting camp. I waxed a doe this morning. So I've been doing a little bit of work today, watching a little bit of me TV watching all the old westerns, which has been a hoot, and getting ready to go back out and try my luck this afternoon in hopes that a buck will come out and want to go on a ride on the four-wheeler with me. So today, I'm going to be quick with my intro and outro. I have another Where Are They Now episode for you guys. And after this episode aired originally, I had several of you guys email me and say how much you enjoyed the episode. So because her fall turkey hunting season is over, and because I happen to know that there are some updates that you guys may want to know about, I asked Jenna Barron to come on to today's show and give us an update about what she's got going on now and what's happened since we talked to her last. And if you remember, Jenna is a new hunter. 
not just a new turkey hunter, but a new hunter. She reached out to me a while back to ask me some questions about turkey hunting because she wanted to dip her toes into turkey hunting before she tried anything else. And after exchanging some emails with her, I asked her to come on to the show and let me do an interview with her, and she readily agreed. We did the interview. turned out to be a great show, and she was just about to get started turkey hunting at that time. So she's now got a few trips into the woods under her belt, and that's what I've got her on today to talk about. So without any further delay, here is Jenna Barron to fill us in on what's been going on in her world since we talked last. I hope you guys enjoy this interview, and I look forward to seeing you on the other side. Hey, everybody. I am glad to tell you that I have on the line with me today another follow-up interview, a Where Are They Now interview with one of our previous guests on the show, and that guest is Jenna Barron. And Jenna was on episode 95, where... I interviewed her because her story really interested me. She'd reached out to me and was had asked me a question or two, and I kind of got her story from her. And at the time that she reached out to me, she had never turkey hunted before. Actually, never hunted. Is that right, Jenna? That's right. Yeah, so never hunted before. And she was asking me questions about turkey hunting. So I got very intrigued and wanted to hear more of her story got her on and if you guys have not listened to episode 95 please go do that it's a great interview and it's one that I've had several people tell me that they've enjoyed it and you know I when we got off the phone from that interview your season I believe was starting within seven to ten days your fall season was and so I want Mm -hmm. to hear how your fall season went I actually know how it went because you did keep me updated, and I appreciate that. But there's a side story to the interview, and that is you had, I just gave it away, a pet turkey. (laughs) Never a pet. (laughs) Okay. You had a farm (laughs) turkey. How about that? And so there was, you kind of, well, we'll just start out with this then. (laughs) So you kind of on Facebook, I guess, really diaried the story of this turkey, of you raising this turkey, and posted pictures on Facebook of this turkey, and your friends were, well, you had some friends on Facebook who were asking you if you were going to pardon the turkey or not pardon the turkey, and I knew from talking to you that that turkey was not going to be pardoned, that you had your mind made up, and so tell us the fate of Miss Jeffrey. So, Miss Jeffrey... Well, people fell in love with Miss Jeffrey because <laughs> she, <laughs> and the name is so ridiculous because I thought she was a boy when we got her. Yeah. But so Jeffrey became Miss Jeffrey once we, once I figured out that she was indeed not a boy, but the name had stuck and people had fallen in love with watching her every Thursday. I posted a selfie with me, with me and Miss Jeffrey. And called it Turkey Thursday, the grand finale being Thanksgiving. (laughs) (laughs) I have a a horrible sense of humor, apparently. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, I I had wanted to butcher her more midsummer because my husband wanted to deep fry the bird. Mm -hmm. But he 
gave her several pardons, and she got to the point where when we finally did butcher her, she would not fit in the turkey fryer. Wow. She was 20 pounds after we had processed her. Holy cow. Yeah. So um, we ended up, my mother baked her for Thanksgiving, and she was delicious. Awesome. So could you tell a difference between Miss Jeffrey and store-bought birds? Uh, yeah. Something that we noticed was that first she was pretty flavorful, you know, very much a turkey flavor. And also her meat was chewier, and a lot of people misunderstand that as tougher. Tougher, right. But kind of like how a steak is chewier than, say, chicken or something like that. It's just, you know, got a, a thicker texture. Yeah, yeah. And... Yeah, similar to the wild turkeys that we had had, but not as, I guess, zucchini, not quite as turkey-ish. So, did you get any pushback from anyone on Facebook after Miss Jeffrey met her fate? There were a few weeks, like a few weeks preceding that, I had had a couple people comment, and I think it was well-intentioned, but like, oh, poor bird, and I... I did not hold back, and I said, you know, this is where food comes from, and unless you're a vegan, I appreciate you not making comments like that. That's exactly right. Because this is the best life for her. She had good food and good care and a lot more freedom than than most birds, and it's a good way, I think, to be conscientious uh-huh. about where your food comes from. Very true. So uh, a lot of people really appreciated following the whole process. When I did end up processing her, my neighbors came over and they brought a few of their young kids and they took part in the process too. And they did really well. They found it very interesting. They looked at all the different body parts. And I think I did get a few messages from people that they really did, you know, think twice about Thanksgiving and about I don't know, they just enjoyed being part of the process. And I guess that's why I kept going with it, because people seemed interested. Yeah. And they asked questions about her behavior or her health. It kind of became a, its own little monster, <laughs> Turkey right. Thursday. Yeah. We, you know, it's, I guess, as most of us hunters have either grown up being around it or, you know, just having been exposed to it as we've, have gotten into the sport of hunting, we mm-hmm. don't think about it. You know, we go to the store, and yes, the grocery store, and yes, there are packages of steak there and packages of chicken and pork, whatever type of meat it is that we're going to buy. And even though it's in a package, we still know where that meat came from, that an animal gave its life for us to have nourishment that's in that package mm-hmm. that we're eventually going to take in our bodies. So I'm just blown away by the number of people who go to the grocery store, buy a package of meat, cook it, and that thought never crosses their mind. Right. Uh, My sister-in-law is a a kindergartner teacher, and she was saying she was having those group identification exercises, uh and a lot of the kids don't know what fruit and vegetable look like are unfamiliar. What's a potato look like? Yeah. Wow. 
That's yeah, just crazy. Mm-hmm. I bet they can tell you what McDonald's fries look like. Exactly. Or chicken nugget, whatever that is. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, when, like I said, when you and I spoke the first time, you'd mentioned that there were some calls for a pardon for Miss Jeffrey, but you were pretty determined that you were going to follow through, and I never had a doubt as to what Miss Jeffrey's fate was going to be. And I am glad that you guys enjoyed Miss Jeffrey for Thanksgiving. That, in my opinion, is the second best main course that you could have. The first best main course, of course, would be a wild turkey that you had killed. And you got out several times this fall season with your husband in pursuit of a wild Mm -hmm. turkey. And so start us off from from the beginning of the season because you you gave me updates on your first couple of hunts and then you went a little MIA on me not not that I expect you to fill me in on every single thing that you do every time of course <laughs> but all of a sudden I see another update with some pictures and so kind of start us off with your season from your first time out and you know walk us through what happened what your thoughts were what you learned because things that you learned while you were out hunting can be very helpful for others as you know to share you know having share those or being able to share those experiences help us all to be able to learn so start us out on the first trip you and your husband go out one morning and you got out late if i remember correctly right and had i scouted yet before i think you had because you'd sent me a few pictures from your scouting trip It got me pretty excited because you're driving up to turkeys in a vehicle. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, so we had already covered that in the previous podcast. on. No, you know what? Actually, you had not. That's what it was. You were about to go out scouting. Your season started a couple of weeks after, two or three weeks after the interview. Okay. So I'm going to back up a little bit because I think this will be helpful for new hunters because I kind of had to figure this out on my own. Before we went out scouting, I was trying to figure out where to go scouting because obviously I want to succeed. So I went on our state wildlife page and went, we, they post the, the harvest statistics for each game management unit. And so I looked at where kind of the main, main successful places yeah. were. And started researching which areas would be best, and I narrowed down one in southeast Washington, which was about probably an hour and a half from our place. And wanted to do some scouting before before going hunting, just based off of what I had read from other people's experiences. And so I went back and remembered that turkeys are looking for shelter, so trees, water, and nourishment, which often is farmers' fields. So I did a bunch of scouting via Google Maps, and the maps that were also on our wildlife department pages on accessible lands for hunting. So finding the intersection of those two was a process. Right. So I narrowed down a general area. My husband was still not a believer that we would ever find turkeys in Washington State (laughs) because he had been told for many years that they're hard to hunt, they're not around, and really our state's been 
doing a good good job of managing the flocks throughout the state. But they're getting a little bit high in numbers in northeast Washington, but they've been the populations have been coming back throughout the state. So I told them which roads we wanted to drive down, and lo and behold, our first trip down there, we found a small flock of turkeys about where I thought they would be. Yeah. So I was over the moon. I can do this. That's right. <laughs> so on our way back, we stopped at a place that feel free to hunt and walked around, and we're pretty sure that we had found a roosting area, or at least an area where turkeys had gone through. So there were feathers, there were some scratching, some droppings, but nothing super, super fresh. We figured out later when we had gone on a couple of hunts that there there were roosting areas that were plain to see that that's where they were. And so it was it was a process. So once we once the season started, we went back to that same area and there was an area right next to it that I hadn't previously identified but looked like a good place to hunt. And we showed up in the dark and it ended up being more of a wetland than a field. So Google Google is not, it's not always no. Yeah. What looks like a field may be a marsh. Very true. So that was that was interesting. I fell in a creek, I think, in our first hour. And I go to jump over the creek and the place that you're gonna jump off of actually is the creek. Okay. <laughs> in the dark we it were can both happen. wet miserable. Yeah. yeah. It was pretty fun and by the time we got out of there, um, we were both frustrated and I'm sure we scared birds off if there were any there. So we took a break and walked back through our original area and we found the roosting spot. We found little turkey trails in and out of there. We found lots of feathers, lots of droppings. And so we were ready to come back and hit it. So we went back home to get dry and warm and, you know, we weren't sure what time the turkeys were going to come back. And the next day, I think it was the next day, it might have been the next weekend, we went back out there and I think there was some miscommunication about what time the sun comes up and what, you know, exactly where we want to be. So we got to the roosting spot after light and hadn't seen any turkeys. So we drove around for a bit. And we found some in a different area near the road. We tried to just ambush them as they were, but they ha- they got away before we could get out of the truck and get unloaded. Yeah. So the next day, we go back again to the roosting spot. We get there before dark or before light and sitting there for over an hour. It had been light. It had been sun up for about a half an hour. You know, you're staring at those trees. Is that a turkey that I see up there? Huh. And <laughs> there was nothing there. They had moved on. Yeah. So we tried to do some more road hunting, looking for flocks. We found a flock in not an open to hunt area, and the owner of the property happened to be outside. So we stopped and chatted with him, which was very nice. And he has 
grandkids that come and hunt. So wasn't willing to open up his land to other people. Right. But he was very courteous about... He was. He was very nice. He was glad that we had stopped and asked. The poaching in that area has been just terrible. People poaching for deer and just bravely running up onto people's land, doing a shoot and grab, which I was I was just shocked to hear how brazen people have been. Oh yeah. So that was that was disappointing to hear that you know, the state of things and the image that uh, all of us kind of have to combat. Very true. It was a little bit disheartening. But I think, you know, stopping and having that conversation was educational for all of us. Yeah. So I had been, I've, I've been a member of a forum online for hunting in Washington State. And I was, I was actually reading somebody's post about poaching. And somebody had had problems with coming onto, people coming onto their property or trying to come onto their property to poach deer. And he had made a comment about if, you know, if they wanted to take care of turkeys, that would be awesome. So <laughs> I contacted this guy and kind of explained my history with going to, learning to hunt turkeys and wanting to, to know if he was serious about that. And he invited my husband and I up to, uh, to take out a few turkeys to fill our tag. Very so nice. it was, you know, it wasn't really a hunt, but just, you know, he told us what time they would be and where they would be. And the whole day ended up being really amazing. We, we took care of the turkeys as soon as possible. It was an incredible, there must have been a flock of 50 turkeys. Wow. It, I, I took a video of it on my phone and I didn't even realize I had said it until I was playing it for a friend. And I go, holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> just like they're walking around, squawking, little fear of people. And so he tried to push us to an area further, push the birds further away from the house so that we could take our shots. And right. that area was beardless tag. He wanted to shoot the beardless. Uh-huh. And then they do uh, bearded in spring. And... So I was so excited. I forgot that I had my safety on <laughs> when we went one, two, three, fire. Uh-huh. And once I got that figured out, I got my first bird and pumped for the second one, and my shell got stuck coming yeah. out. So by the time I got that all settled, I was, or the birds were out of range. My husband had got two. I got one. And then that was that, and we cleaned up the birds, and then our host took us around to his hunting leases to uh, change video cards on his trail cameras. Wow. And we got to see wildlife in, in his hunting areas. We tried to call in some coyotes to possibly do some predator management. Yeah. While we were driving around, I got a nice fat grouse. Oh, nice. Which was delicious as yeah. well. It ended up being a really nice day, and we uh, really enjoyed the time that we spent with this this other hunter. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it was really awesome. So this is someone you met online on a forum and Uh just reached out to him and 
he was very gracious and very open and invited you and your husband to come up there and hunt and just showed you a heck of a good time from there. Yeah, that is, I mean, that's exactly that. When, and, and I will say this, and, and I know that there's, there is some truth to it, but when I hear people, especially east of the Mississippi and especially in the south, say that there's nowhere to hunt and public land is overpressured, again, there's some truth to it, but I do have to say that sometimes you just have to put forth a little bit of effort. There are people yeah. out there who are willing to let you come and hunt their property, who actually do want people to come and hunt their property responsibly because they know that there are people who are hunting it illegally and irresponsibly mm -hmm. and that there are sometimes overpopulations of game that are har that are harming crops and that kind of thing. And farmers and ranchers know that and that if they meet you or make an honest effort to reach out to them and show your interest and your concern and your, your care and that you're going to be responsible, that they'll actually invite you to come to their place and hunt. And so, you know, you're, you're living proof of that and your story proves that to people. So sometimes you just have to try a little bit harder to get access to some hunting land. And I am just I mean, I'm ecstatic to hear that you guys had that opportunity open up to you and you took advantage of the opportunity, but it seems like you've also made contact with someone that might invite you back in the future as well. Yeah, we actually had plans to come up. There's also a late, a late fall season for about a week and a half. Yeah. And we were going to go up again, but the weather had gotten so bad up here and at their property that it was really not a good idea to make that trip. Yeah. So, you know, I I told I told the guy that and it was true, it was it was really one of the funnest days of my life going out there and I am absolutely hooked on being a hunter now. And and I know, you know, the turkey shoot I wouldn't necessarily call that a hunt. I would call it more of a turkey shoot. But the, you know, making that connection with Rick and, you know, going out and sitting and trying to call him coyotes through the fog and the whole process was, it was a blast. Yeah, um, that's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. So I, I, I think, you know, the other, the other thing that from my experience I've, I've seen that there are, People who are interested in hunting, but they don't know how, or they don't know how to start or who to talk to about it. And, you know, I went through that. I happened just through my life experience to know that, you know, networking and talking to people and talking about, you know, what you, what you intend to do, be it on Facebook or to friends and family, they will start saying, oh, I know a guy that hunts this area or right. you know you just start pursuing those those little leads and talk about it more you never know who's gonna know somebody very true very true the other thing that was really cool a good friend of mine that i would never expect this to happen she knew about my whole hunting adventure and i turned her on watching the series Meat Eater with Stephen Ellis. Right. And there's a couple
seasons of it on Netflix right now. And she loved it. Her and her boyfriend absolutely loved it. And they're getting ready to start hunting. They're partway through the hunter's education requirement for the state, and they're hoping to get ready to go spring turkey hunting this year. Very nice. Yeah. Yeah, see, now we've got a new hunter, or mm-hmm. actually your husband, had, he'd hunted before, but never really gotten serious about it. Is that correct? Correct. Okay. So, well, not not about turkey hunting. He'd just done like elk hunting with, with his father. And that is an annual thing, but he had never, like, he and I had never gone hunting together. Yeah. And never, um, never turkey hunting. Right. And he's hooked on turkey hunting now, too. Yeah. He wants to get a a big old gobbler in the spring. Well, yeah. And (laughs) if if your quote-unquote turkey shoot got you excited about turkey hunting, then Mm -hmm. a spring hunt with a wild turkey gobbling while he's coming into your calling and he's looking for you and Mm -hmm. displaying he's drumming and strutting for what he thinks is a hen over in the bushes that will blow your mind in fact it'll ruin you just ask my wife (laughs) it's ruined me so and there are a lot of people listening to this show that it has ruined as well but yeah that i think it's it's awesome that you had this desire to get out in the woods and hunt and, you know, a lot of that stemmed from your desire to provide your own food, which you mm-hmm. do anyway in your farming that you do, whether it's raising a turkey or growing vegetables in the backyard, whatever it happens to be, all, or all mm-hmm. of the above. But so you're making this transition from being new to the sport and new hunters to actually recruiting hunters as well. And you're to be commended for that. That's awesome. You know, and I, I think that doing it the right way is a big deal, you know, and and teaching people what it's all about, educating them what it's all about. It's not just going out into the woods and shooting whatever moves. It's about learning about the animal and getting out there into the animal's habitat. And mm-hmm. whether it's if you're deer hunting, finding that perfect spot where the deer are coming through or finding an area where they're feeding or they're bedding and waiting for them, or if you're hunting turkeys, it's about learning to call. Again, learning where they roost, where they feed, their travel routes, and being there, you know, and experiencing everything that that nature provides for us, whether it's, hey, we didn't see any turkeys, but we watched squirrels chase each other around in the trees for two hours, mm-hmm. doing acrobatics in the air and things like that, you know, and, and I think that people that have been hunting for a long time, they get it, you know, they, they, because they've experienced all of that. And so people who have never hunted, sometimes it, it takes, well, it's not sometimes, it takes education to get them to where they get it. And right. not, not everyone, even after you educate them, is going to want to try it. And really, that's a good thing, because if everyone hunted, there wouldn't be enough woods for us to go find a tree to lean against. So you know, it's good that not everyone wants to do it, but I, I think that's awesome. You're out there educating people and getting them interested in it and getting getting them to become hunters, and I think that's great. Yeah. So that's very exciting. So tell me, though, I, I've got to ask you, and I'm not making fun of you because I promise you. No problem. I will promise <laughs> you, you are not the first person 
who's ever gotten excited and forgot to take the safety off the gun. I know. I have no shame. And I will also <laughs> tell you that you are, or you won't be at some point in time, if you do continue to hunt, and it sounds like you're going to, you won't be the first person to ever forget to even load the gun, <laughs> have a turkey come by, and you squeeze the trigger and just get the click because there's no shell in the gun in the chamber. So what what's go, what goes through your mind because you're there with your husband and it's a one, two, three shoot. Well, the, his gun goes <laughs> off and yours does not. Uh, was there a split second of panic or was it just instinct that kicked in and you just thought, okay, safety's still on. Safety's got to come off and take a shot. I mean, what goes through your mind at that point? Honestly, I was dumbfounded. And I just sat there shocked because I was so excited. My hands were shaking, oh, like sure. pulling up and, and seeing all these turkeys. I, my hands weren't shaking when I was going to take the shot, but I was, you know, you get hyper-focused tunnel vision. Yeah, all business. All business and also wanting to be safe. And our our host, our host Rick, told me, you think he's on? <laughs> After, you know, I'm looking at, and I was saying, what is wrong with this thing? I was, I was just dumbfounded. So, yeah. So One thing guys... I did think about after, after I had had the, the pump action not eject, we're thinking about getting a 20-gauge double barrel for me for turkey hunting, just because they're more reliable for... You know, you're not having to pump to get the next shell. Right. And with, I, I think you have had guests talk about 20 gauge versus 12 gauge, and that with the newer technology of the 20 gauge shells, that is definitely a doable option. It absolutely is a doable option. And in fact, I got a 20 gauge myself. I did buy a pump, 20 gauge, whereas mm-hmm. I normally shoot an automatic. So okay. it will be interesting for me, or I should say a semi-automatic, just to make sure my terminology is correct right. and I don't have some anti-gunner, oh, you shouldn't have an automatic weapon, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> to your side. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. if they do, they're, they've been very quiet and have not yeah. said anything to this point, so I can't imagine there's very many that are listening to the show. So that's a good thing, and if they are, they can go away. So... But yeah, I I got a pump, so that's going to be an adjustment for me because I'm not used to shooting a pump shotgun. So I would imagine when that opportunity comes, and I do like I do every year, I'm not ashamed to admit that I miss at least one turkey a year every year. My thought is, if you're not missing, you're not shooting. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I'll take a shot and miss, and I will squeeze the trigger again, without pumping the gun, and then remember that I have to pump the gun. So the only negative that I would say about a double-barrel shotgun of any sort, whether whether it's a 20-gauge or a 12-gauge or 410, is the added weight. Right. And, you know, it's it's not like you're going, you're going to carry 40 pounds of gun around in the woods with you, but an 8.5 or 9-pound shotgun will feel like 40 pounds after you've carried around in the woods for about five or six hours. Right. So that would be the only negative that I would say about a double barrel. You know, there are some very good, very reliable semi-automatic 
point gauges out there that are reasonably priced that you might want to look into. Yeah, that's a good, good thought. But there again, you know, they can fail on you as well. I mean, I if if my 12-gauge that I use for turkey hunting is not clean and I drag it through the sand and the mud and the leaves and the sticks every single year during turkey season when I'm crawling on turkeys or crawling to get in position or whatever I'm doing and that gun gets filthy, if I don't keep it clean and I shoot one round, the next round will, will jam. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I have to be cognizant of that. And, you know, again, that's a semi-automatic gun. So I'm not saying that the semi-auto is going to be fail-proof, but, you know, if you're, I think it's just got a lot to do with what you're used to shooting. And you're going to have those malfunctions when you've got a gun because there are moving parts to it. Right. It's really no different than And having... I think a big part of it for me on on our trip was that it's you're not holding it very solidly while you're pumping. That right. the shell doesn't always adjust. So I think I was moving around a little bit too much. Yeah. And that's possible. Are were you shooting a I guess I should ask this. Are you right or left handed? Right handed. Okay. So you're shooting right handed. Mm-hmm. And are you shooting a right-handed shotgun? Yes. Okay. All right. So I have had that happen to me before in shooting an AR. And if I do anything to obstruct that shell ejection, it will jam that empty shell and keep the the next shell from chambering and loading correctly. So that is very possible that, that, you know, with your movement or whatever it was that you went to, to... pump that next shell in and the spent shell did not eject properly or you just didn't get a good pump on it to pump it and you know get that old shell out and the new shell in. So yeah, mm-hmm. that is that is very possible that that's what happened. Operator error instead of mechanical failure. So right. that that is a possibility. Yes, you're right. The double barrel is going to be should be more reliable, but I would tell you go look at them Touch them, feel them, squeeze them, hug them, hold them, and just mm-hmm. imagine yourself being four hours into a hunt and what you're going to feel like toting that heavier gun around. Right, yeah. And the other thing, too, with the double barrel is you may find that it's harder to to get a double barrel. Well, you can get an over-under, I think, pretty easily where you'll have interchangeable chokes and you could put you right. know, two turkey chokes in. So. You know, that's that's a good possibility. The over-unders are a little bit more expensive than a side-by-side than a true double barrel. Mm-hmm. But something to think about. And, you know, you could always do a single shot. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that there won't be a lot of situations where I'll need to shoot too quickly in terms of turkey hunting. I'll tell you, if you practice enough with a single shot, you won't be as fast as an automatic or a pump, but you won't be too far behind it. Right. If you practice shooting and reloading, it takes... You know, having one shell in your hand and your finger on the trigger to fire the first shot. But, you know, that's something to think about. There are a lot of a lot of new hunters and a lot of old hunters that hunt with single shot. I think the, the older hunters, it's just, it's been their, a gun that's been in their family forever. And their fathers have hunted with it. And their grandfathers have hunted with it. And they grew up hunting with it. And they're just used to it. Right. So that is another option. But yeah, 20 gauge, I would tell you that you could 
with today's turkey shells and today's turkey chokes in a 20 gauge, you should have no hesitation squeezing the trigger on a bird that's 40 yards. You may even want to stretch it and say 45 if the conditions are right. But mm -hmm. of course, you do want to pattern that gun first and make sure that right. it's capable of producing a good enough pattern to humanely take a bird down at 40 or 45 yards. Cool. That is, that's pretty awesome. So on your hunt, were you guys in a blind? No, we were in a driveway. Okay. <laughs> it, it was uh, wide open. Yeah, okay. That's, uh, that's pretty interesting. So you 50 turkeys. What are the turkeys eating on his farm? There's a lot of pine trees around. He doesn't have a farm, but there's there were some hay fields, I think, in the neighborhood, and it's right next to the lake as well. Okay. And he just has birds year-round. Just because it's great habitat. Yeah. 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 Very yeah. good. So a lot of them will be coyote food this winter. Does it sound like? As we were saying beforehand, before we started the interview, we get some pretty extreme temperatures here in Washington. We've got got a fair amount of snow in eastern Washington right now. So I'm not sure how well they survive that. Yeah, I'm sure there's there's some attrition there, but sounds like he's got a fairly healthy population of birds mm -hmm. on his property and you know I would imagine that there's plenty for him to eat around there with hay if there's hay fields there there's probably some hay bales around right. and that kind of thing so yeah awesome so I'm excited to hear that you're going to get out this spring and chase some birds around yes I'm excited for that too yeah so have you ever heard a wild bird gobble before not a wild one okay I have a replacement turkey for Miss Jeffrey Oh. His name is Wallace. Yes. Yes. His name is Wallace, and he gobbles every time we pull up to the driveway. Yeah. He gobbles every time he sees me in the morning. So. Very nice. We have that. Yeah. Do you think Wallace is going to make it until next Thanksgiving, or do you think he'll be an Easter turkey? I think he might be a New Year's turkey. Oh, sweet. So he's growing pretty quickly, huh? Yeah, he is. Oh, funny story. After we had gone turkey hunting, and, you know, we had, had Miss Jeffrey in the freezer as well, uh, we went grocery shopping, and it was right before Thanksgiving, but we were out of everything. So we were stocking up at the grocery store, and the checker, when we were checking out, said, you know, if you spend $150, you get a free turkey. Go grab a turkey there in this aisle. <laughs> so we ended up with Yet again, another turkey. <laughs> <laughs> but this time it was a frozen bird. Exactly. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Very nice. So you may or may not know the answer to the question, but the bird, the birds that you guys killed, do you know what subspecies they were? Were they Rios? Yeah, or... they were Merriams. Okay, Merriams. Great. Yeah, they, they look, and then in the pictures they look pretty white. And so, I, but a lot of times it's hard to tell between a, a Rio and a Merriam's, just depending on how white the Merriam's are. Yeah, the ones that were in southeast Washington, where we were actually doing the hunting, those were Rios. Yeah. And then in northeast Washington, they're Merriam's. Okay. I believe. Yeah. And then we actually have Easterns as well in the mountains. Yes, you do. The few mm -hmm. states that have three subspecies in them. That's right. So for you guys listening to the show, if you want to do a single season slam, 
I believe you can get a good start on that in Washington State. And I think that your your limit on birds in the spring is three birds, isn't it? That is, is that right. right. Okay. That's right. All right, so there you go. Miriams, Rio, Eastern, all in Washington State, fly all the way across the country, shoot an Osceola in Florida, and you've got a single-season Grand Slam. It's a way to do it. Perfect. Yeah, very good. Well, I look forward to hearing from you when you start your spring scouting and, of course, when you get out in the woods and start to chase birds in the spring. And, yeah, you definitely want to... Uh, you already know this, but continue to develop that relationship with your contact there in the northern part of the state and keep that going because that sounds like it'd be a good opportunity for you in the spring as well. And, you know, I'm sure that he would appreciate help and that kind of thing, whatever you guys want to offer to yeah. um, help him out on his property, his daily chores or that kind of thing. So Absolutely. That, that all works out to be a good trade and can be a, a great relationship that will last for years. So awesome. Well, thank you I'll so much. I'll definitely keep you posted. Yes. I'm sure there will be a lot more funny failures on my end as well. So that's um, good to not have the expectation of doing it perfectly. Uh, I've been turkey hunting for 25 years and or longer. And trust me, those failures yeah. will not stop. <laughs> I think that's what really has helped me with your podcast is hearing both the successes and the failures and um, knowing that, you know, it's a learning process all the way. It is. It is. And, you know, the I had a guest on last week. I did another Where Are They Now interview with a guy that turkey hunts a lot and just finished the Super Slam, which is killing a turkey in every state that has turkeys. And oh, wow. And he... He mentioned on the show that he missed a turkey this past season on one of his out-of-state trips and that it was a rookie mistake. And so it's going to happen. So you just have to, well, you have to love it because it's part of the sport. So, well, thank you very, very much for coming on and giving us an update on Miss Jeffrey and also your successful turkey hunt and you may not call it a turkey hunt but i call it a turkey hunt because (laughs) you put forth a lot of effort and a lot of time a lot of energy to getting to that point to where you could kill a turkey and it may not seem like you did anything super out of the ordinary on that actual hunt in order to kill a turkey but i think that you did you killed a wild turkey so I think you did something pretty good, pretty out of the ordinary, and while you were on the hunt, but in addition to that, you put yourself in a great position to have that opportunity, and that is part of the hunt. So congratulations right. on your birds to you and your husband. And Thank you. Are you chronicling the story of Mr. Wallace, the turkey? Not as much. Okay. He's not quite as gregarious as Mr. Jeffrey was, and with how little daylight we get, oh, I yeah. really only see him in the dark. Yeah. So it's been hard to do updates on him on a regular basis. Yeah, gotcha. All right, yeah. well, we may not get to meet Wallace then, especially if he's going to be a New Year's bird, but I'm pretty sure you'll have another one for the spring. It sounds like you're enjoying the turkey farming that you're doing. Okay. So that'll be good. Have a wonderful 
Sunday afternoon. Thank you again so much for sharing your story and keep you know giving us an update. And I wish you and your husband a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year and look forward to talking to you again sometime soon. You too, Andy. Thank you so much and thanks for all you do for the podcast. Glad to do it. Thank you for saying that. All right. Bye. All right. I hope that you guys enjoyed that. You know, Jenna's got a great sense of humor and I am excited to hear that she had some success this fall, even though she may think it was a turkey shoot. Like I said in the interview, there's a lot of preparation that goes into that to even be able to get that opportunity to go on a quote-unquote turkey shoot. So I'm very excited for her that she had some luck this year, and I'm very excited to hear that she is really getting into turkey hunting, and her husband is as well. And I'm very excited to hear that she's even recruiting non-hunters into the sport of hunting. So what more can we ask for? Welcome to the family, Jenna. We know you're going to be a great family member to have. And thank you for coming on today's show. I really appreciate your time. So that's all that I've got for you guys this week, except you know I'm going to ask you to do one favor for me this week. So when you're with your extended family and you're enjoying your Christmas meal, maybe opening a few gifts, spending some quality time together, make mention of the Turkey Hunter podcast to one of your family members that hunts and introduce that family member to the show. Show him or her how to download a podcast because a lot of people still don't know how to download a podcast, how to play it on their phone, subscribe them to the show since you've got their phone in your hand, and maybe we'll have more members in the Turkey Hunter podcast family. So that's my favorite for the week. Introduce a family member to the show. That's much appreciated. I want to wish all of you guys out there a very Merry Christmas and your families as well. Merry Christmas to all of our military men and women listening to the show who are away from their families and friends over the Christmas holidays as well. Thank you so much for your service and thank you to your families for their sacrifices as well. You guys are all in my prayers over the holiday. And, well, you're in my prayers every day, but even more so over the Christmas holiday. Thank you guys so much for tuning in this week. I know that you have choices. I appreciate you spending your time with us. I hope you have a wonderful week, and I look forward to seeing you again next week. Goodbye. Thanks for tuning in. You were just listening to the Turkey Hunter podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please go on over to iTunes and leave a five-star review. And make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe for free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews to help you have a more successful turkey season. And stay tuned for upcoming episodes on hunting afternoon birds, how to film your hunt, and the breeding cycle of hens, as well as some guest interviews. Thanks again for listening. We know your time is valuable, and we appreciate you sharing some of it with us. See you next week.